It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in, yes, once again, for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as August is finally here, summer is slowly fading away, school is going to be starting soon. We wanted to keep it tropical, so we're going to head on off to the island of Hawaii as we welcome the one and only Kevin McDonald. Yes, Pleakley from Lilo and Stitch. He's also from Kids in the Hall, That 70s Show, and many others including Invader Zim. And Kevin's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things from his career, what he's doing now, and working on that great Disney classic Lilo and Stitch and the entire series. In addition, we have the D-Team back. That is right. We have a chock-full roster here this week as we have Jamie back with the Artist Corner as this week he's going to delve deeper into more of Walt Disney's fantastic animators and artists. We have Aaron back. You submitted questions you want to know and Aaron's going to answer them for you in I want to know. We also have Jason returning with The Vault as he's going to go deeper into another DVD and Blu-ray review for you. We have Lexi, our DT member from Down Under as she's going to take that trip down the Hollywood Walk of Fame and give you a little bit more about our special guest here, Kevin McDonald. And we also have the announcement of an all-new DT member coming here to the show and she is going to introduce herself to you here later in the show here this week. So we have a variety of different things including news hot off the D-wire with all the latest in the Disney company, the parks, movies, and you name it. it you know, we're going to cover it. So this week, we have all kinds of fun, all kinds of magic, memories, and more that you've come to expect. So, as we kick off show number 43 for the week of August 8th, 2013, let's jump on that Hawaiian roller coaster ride and shoot on off to Hawaii. I'll be back shortly after the luau, D-Heads.
70 years, the Walt Disney Studios has won the hearts of audiences with the most enchanting, delightful, and lovable characters the world has ever known. On June 21st, the tradition... Hey, that's not Simba! <laughs> His name is Stitch. He's, He's taking a police cruiser. Yeah, he took the red one. The crazy truck is about to make a jump. Where is he? A place called Hawaii. This summer, How? two worlds will collide, and paradise will never be the same. All of our dogs are adoptable. Except that one! He got the will, and you must now bring him back. Okay. He's indescribable. You sure it's a dog? I think it might be a koala. An evil koala. Indestructible. Things are going well. Indigestible. Fascinating, isn't it? And completely irresistible. We have to take him back. What about Ohana? Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. Walt Disney Pictures presents Lilo and Stitch. Look. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You ain't never caught a rap. You ain't no friend of mine. <laughs> Disney Blues, Disney On Demand.
of sorrow. So if you'd really like to be happy, lucky, just like me, drown your frowns, my friend, and you will see that you'll be full of fun and fancy free. Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 43 for the week of August 8th, 2013. And this week, we're taking it tropical, we're making it fun, and we're going Hawaii style. As we have none other than Kevin McDonald, yes, from Kids in the Hall, Lilo and Stitch, Invader Zim, and That 70s Show, stopping in here very shortly here at Disney On Demand. I am super excited for this. He always brings the laugh, the entertainment, and the energy. So this week, we have a variety of things in tow here at Disney On Demand. We have the D-Team back and all kinds of fun. But before I get started, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always connect up with us at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past archives, past shows, latest news blogs, and more, including all of our social media outlets, and you can connect up with the D-Team and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can listen to over 300-plus television shows, movies, TV specials, and more. And that's all at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue. You can find us all over on Instagram, AOL Instant Messenger, Twitter, and more. Just search, yes, you guessed it, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. So all of you D-heads, now I started off the show pretty gung-ho, ready to go, and all of you know that I am a father of four kids. I do not hide that fact, you already know it that I am a father of four kids, all seven and under. And with that comes a variety of different things, including right now we have an emergency going on. So, all of you D-heads, I had a ton of news hot off the D-wire. I mean, a ton of news with D23 coming up and whatnot. But you know what? I didn't want to make you wait a whole nother week or a couple more days or whatnot to get this show out. So this week here at Disney On Demand, I'm going to release the reins to the entire D-team. So this week, you're going to have Aaron back with I Want to Know. Lexi's here with more about Kevin McDonald. 
You're going to have Jamie here at the Artist Corner, an all-new DT member, Paige Zimmerman, who's going to be stopping in, and she'll introduce herself here very shortly, and she's going to be brand new here at the show. We also have Jason tackling another Blu-ray and DVD review in the vault. So there's a variety of different things that are still going to be happening, and fear not, even though I do have a family emergency with the youngins, I am going to be back here in the studio very shortly so I can talk with the one and only Kevin McDonald. Life never gets bored when you're a father of four kids, let me tell you. So definitely show that appreciation for the D team, and I'm going to release the reins to them. So all of you D heads, like I said, I didn't want to make you wait a whole nother week or extra days. I'd rather just get a nice quality show out there for you. And you know what? I have faith in our D team. The D team makes the magic happen here at Disney On Demand every single week. So with that said, all of you D heads, I'm going to release the reins, let it go. And uh, I'm going to tend to some business here, but it isn't the last you heard of me. Fear not. I will pop back in the studio uh, shortly here in a couple of minutes after the D-team takes care of a couple of things here. And I will be back with the one and only Kevin McDonald as he's going to talk about being pleakly on Lilo and Stitch. So before I let you go and I release these reins to the D-team, I apologize once again, all of you D-heads. I know many of you that are parents. Like I said, I truly apologize, but you haven't heard the last of me here this week. we still got a great show lined up for you. But before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is officially sponsored by Pixie Vacations. And the agents at Pixie Vacations can help you plan your Walt Disney World vacation, Disneyland, California Adventure, or Vacations by Disney. They can help you plan, book that trip, and make it the most magical experience with all the knowledgeable agents at Pixie Vacations. And you can check them out at PixieVacations.com. You can also visit their official website by clicking on the link on our homepage. So all of you D-heads, with that said, yes, yes, I am coming. Sorry, I'm getting waved by the seven-year-old here. I have to tend to a bit of emergency here in the family, so I'll be back popping in shortly, D-heads, and uh, take it away, the D-team. Uh, I definitely owe a lot to you. Be right back, D-heads. Hey there, D-heads. This is Paige. I'm joining the team soon with the Magical Music Review, a segment coming soon on this show. Just to give you a little information about myself, I am a huge Disney nut. I currently am sitting in a room surrounded with Disney memorabilia, and I've been going to Disney World since I was two years old. I've actually been more times than I've been alive. So, I look forward to joining the show and seeing what you guys think of the segment. I'll be telling you all sorts of different information about the music, stuff that you may already know, stuff that you may not, and bringing you music that could be a little bit rare for you. So I hope you like it, and I hope to be getting a segment to you soon. See ya! Yours! 
everybody, I'm John here at Walt Disney World with Lisa Welchel. Now you might know Lisa as Blair Warner on Facts of Life. You might know her from the 25th season of Survivor. Also a speaker and an author. 50,000 followers on Twitter? Something like that. Something like that, she's very <laughs> modest. But well, the reason we're talking to Lisa today in front of Cinderella Castle is because you are a Mouseketeer. That's right, I was trying to explain to my kids. We were going through the great movie ride and they, uh, one of them said, uh, you know, Mom, you need to do a, a movie that's like really classic, like so they'll put you on a ride and then they'll, you know, be forever a part of Disney. And I said, "Hun, I was on the Mickey Mouse Club. I am part of Disney history. And they said, yeah, but we don't remember that show. So we have a clip of when you all came here to Walt Disney World and actually performed back there on the castle stage. What do you remember about that experience? That was huge because, you know, that was early days of Disney World. And so we got to come and stay here for two weeks and we filmed all over. I mean, I was 14. What kid doesn't want to spend a two-week vacation at Disney World when the park is closed even? Mm -hmm. So it was great. And you still get people coming up to you, remembering you from the show. Oh, I had such a crush on you when you were in the new Mickey you Mouse Club. I always love it when somebody does that because most people recognize me from Facts of Life, and now a lot of the younger people recognize me from Survivor, but every once in a while, somebody will say, you know, I was their favorite Mouseketeer on the Mickey Mouse Club, and I just think, I can't believe it, because we always refer to ourselves as the forgotten mice, because everybody knows the 50s and, of course, all the famous 90s, but they don't even know we had a 70s club, so if somebody knows and remembers, then they've got a special place in my heart. Hi guys, I'm back. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, now this is all your stuff. You it's, said your grandmother saved this stuff yes, for you? Yes, I'm forever grateful to my grandmother for thinking ahead that I would want to keep this stuff and pass it down to my kids. What do they think of the fashion? You know, I have to say, I think they are less embarrassed by that fashion than they are the 80s hair and the big, you know, mm -hmm. and on backs of life with the big uh, this shoulder This stuff's coming around stuff. and velour is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, velour. Velour is hot again, right? Uh, right? I don't, I don't know about okay. that. And I understand it is your birthday this week. You came to Walt Disney World to celebrate your birthday. Of course, and I actually put on Twitter yesterday, you know, that little kind of that little quote, you know, Lisa, what are you going to do to celebrate a half century on this earth? And I said, I'm going to Disney World. So, so, what, so what is a half century 27 years? Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Here, I brought you a happy birthday button, Lisa. Now, you know I, how these work, right? I, you know what? I heard about these. So here, here, I'll let you put that okay, on. So what you do is you wear your happy birthday button, uh -huh. and then wherever you go throughout the park, anybody with a name tag will come. Happy birthday, Lisa. Oh, very sweet. And I think we, I, we have somebody coming in who wants to wish you a happy birthday. Okay, good. Mickey! <laughs> Yay! Thank you for coming to wish me a happy birthday. You've known me since I was this little. Everybody say Mickey! Fantastic! Hey D-Heads, this week's The Artist Corner talks about Disney legend and animator Eric Larson. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. The world is a carousel of Disney presents the Hey D-Heads, welcome to another segment of the Artist Corner. I'm Jamie, and now today we're talking about Disney legend, animator, and trainer Eric Larson. Now back in the day, Eric attended the University of Utah and majored in journalism. 
He then decided to rekindle his ambition to become an artist and was offered a job at the Walt Disney Productions in 1933. As an in-betweener, he moved to California and was talked into applying at the Disney Studios. He was hired at the time when Mickey Mouse was still evolving. Now at this time, Disneyland and major movies had never been thought about, and when Disney's first feature-length cartoon was created, he was among the first major animator. By 1940, he was an animation director and designed Figaro the Cat for Pinocchio. Larson also animated the horses for the pastoral symphony sequence in Fantasia, and Larson assisted Mark Davis in creating the title character for the 1950s Cinderella and animated Caterpillar for the 1951 Alice in Wonderland. But his most famous sequence is the flight to Neverland in 1953's Peter Pan. Now after Walt's death in 1966, Larson was placed in charge of finding and training new talent for animation. Now many well-known animators went through Larson's training program to include Brad Bird, Don Bluth, Tim Burton, Ron Clemens, Andrea Stasia, Glenn Keane, and John Lasseter. Now Eric was most responsible for the forest animals which were in most scenes of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs which was released in 1937. Now, by 1942, he'd become a supervising animator for Bambi, for which he created Friend Al, and subsequently worked on birds for the next two assignments, creating the Mad Bird and the Three Caballeros, and the Sasha the Bird in Make Mine Music. Eric Larser later became part of the animation board, and Walt Disney appointed him as one of his nine old men. Now, unfortunately, by 1981, almost all of Disney's nine old men were either gone or retired. Eric was the only one remaining, and although no longer a working animator, a new generation of artists came into being for The Fox and the Hound in 1981. Now, although Larson remained as an animation consultant for The Black Cauldron in 1985 and The Great Mouse Detective in 86, Eric retired in September of 1986. Soon, Eric retired to his home in La Canada, Flint Ridge, near Glendale in Los Angeles, and died on October 25th of 1988. In 1989, he was awarded the Disney Recognition of Honor by Roy Disney, Walt's nephew. And in this week's Artist Corner Disney Family Album, presented by Buddy Epstein, presents the life and times of Eric Larson at the Walt Disney Studios. Eric is one of the nine old men, Walt Disney's pet name for his supreme court of animation. As the other animators retired, Eric stayed on. Today, he's passing on his 50 years of knowledge to a new generation of Disney artists. Eric Larson's lifetime of learning and teaching comes alive in the Disney family album. Eric Larson's boyhood surroundings often made it to the screen. Eric originally came to Los Angeles to write an adventure serial for a local radio station. At the advice of a friend. He submitted some sketches to the Disney studio. He says, Walt's looking for people. He would like to build his staff in anticipation of doing the classics in feature length. And um, you are, in a way, a writer, and you're, in a way, an artist, and uh, you have some creative ability. Why don't you come and join us? Eric joined, and at the perfect time, Disney animation was about to blossom. Well, I think when I came here, they were just finished, uh, just finished up on uh, Three Little Pigs. For the time, it was so far out of here, out in front of everything, and it had a message to convey. We began to realize that what we wanted was some personality development, and the Three Little Pigs had quite a bit of that in it. Don't the success of the Three Little Pigs inspired other Disney cartoons in which animals had human characteristics. Eric worked on one of these, Cock of the Walk. I had the <laughs> pleasure 
of doing all the uh, chorus girls. The strides made by the Disney artists in personality and effects were the prologue to something greater. The first feature-length cartoon, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We began to break through on personality, Walt knowing that uh, when he came to features, he was going to have to have primarily good personalities on the screen. As Disney assigned his artists to various sequences in Snow White, it was no surprise that the country boy, Larson, was asked to animate the animal. I didn't realize that when I got on the Snow White, I'd be having maybe 10, 20 animals on one page trying to move them around in, in a composition that would be interesting. Charm is a characteristic you can't analyze. But Eric Larson's characters had plenty of it. The human personality which most influenced Eric was no simple cartoon character. I always felt this about Walt. He would never allow anybody to pull him down to their level. In other words, TV and uh, a lot of the things that are coming out now are dragging us down from our tradition to this. Walt, when he decided to go into color in his shorts, he wanted color. It was better. It was a higher standard than black and white. And the guys in the business moaned and groaned. You're going to break us. Walt says, okay, if it breaks you, all right. He says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get that much nicer thing. Now, when he started the parks, why couldn't he just have gone out and done a, a roller coaster and uh, places where people would play dart games and, and throw rings? Uh-uh. He comes up with, build on the, on the cartoon characters, he comes up with uh, Disneyland. There's, he would never allow himself to be pulled down to a base. He was always up here someplace trying to pull people up to him. I know that's a heck of a challenge, but he had the talent to do it. Walt also created an environment at his studio that Eric never forgot. I found that when I got here that you hid nothing. All of these people, talented as they were and at the top of the profession at that time, were so anxious to have you know everything that they knew, and they would talk to you about it. You could ask them questions. They would sit down on the board with you and diagram what they were trying to tell you. I felt that this this exchange of ideas was the whole thing the studio was being built on. To help young animators better understand body language, Eric often uses a mime. The mime performs in silhouette to highlight the body's outline. Eric Larson has spent a lifetime bringing life to drawings. For these young artists, He's the key that unlocks the secrets to 50 years of Disney animation. Eric was the person that I first met when I applied for a job here. And Eric, to me, is just the answer to everything. And he can help you with your drawing or he can help you with why you can't work that day. You have artist block. Eric, I can't draw. I haven't been able to draw for a week. And somehow he has a way of working you out of it. Working with the younger animators has been a great lift. It's part, it's part of the studio. And to see a new staff developed, and they are developing fast, we've got some wonderful young people coming along. This has to be a source of satisfaction. And uh, there's something about young people that helps to keep you young, or helps to keep me young, even though I don't, don't look it. <laughs> but the spirit is there. Now on to the Artist Showcase for this week. Walt Disney World Resort is pleased to welcome artist Greg McAuliffe July 31st through August 4th at the Art of Disney store at the downtown Disney Marketplace. Now Greg Style brings Disney characters and the world they live in to life. He says his goal is to create work of art that allows visitors to take a bit of magic home with them. Now on the next segment of the Artist Corner, we're going to continue to dive into the next few Disney's Nine Old Men. In next segment, we're going to be talking about Disney animator John Lounsbury. Now for the Artist Corner, I'm Jamie, and we'll hope to see you real soon.
Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Bun. Appetit. Again? But I've had like 10 burgers already. 12. 15 pizzas, 9 sundaes, and crispy, crunchy fries, fries, fries. I'm so full. Except I'm not. Well, I say we keep on eating. Yeah. Hmm. Uh. 
Bon Appetit.
Well, during the studio's backlot tour, which lasted for 35 minutes and ran continuously, guests got the chance to see and experience some of the backstage stuff that goes into making the movies more realistic. The tour featured two special effects sequences, both in Catastrophe Canyon, during which you got the chance to see how natural disasters and scenes with huge amounts of cascading water are created on the film set. The tour starts with two guests being selected to help demonstrate how sea-based battle scenes are created in Water Tank, complete with pyrotechnics, depth charges, and a torpedo blast. Next, you board a road train for the trip around the backlot area, first passing through the huge wardrobe area containing over 2.5 million pieces of clothing. Walt Disney World was the world's largest working wardrobe. The train then passes through the camera, props, and lighting departments, followed by the scenery shop before turning into Residential Street, where empty buildings provide the appearance of a comfortable American neighborhood. The houses on the street are used mainly for external shots and feature Vern's home from Ernest Saves Christmas, the treehouse featured in George of the Jungle, along with the house used in the Golden Girls, and the house from Empty Nest. Shortly after the trip through Residential Street, there's a little bit of banter from the guide, Jungle Crew style, about going into the working studio set that's being used to film a disaster movie. The train heads into Catastrophe Canyon area. Needless to say, the tram gets stuck just as things start to happen in the canyon. A rainstorm begins, triggering a tanker full of fuel perched precariously on the side of a hill to slip towards the tram, bursting into flames, and is promptly put out by a cascading torrent of water from the canyon above. During the whole performance, the ground beneath the train rocks and bucks as though the earthquake is occurring. Predictable though the experience is, the overall effect is still quite good, and to say it's repeated over and over, day after day, shows how such a repeatable effect can be used in a film production. Troy, you are not nuts. The attraction reopened in late March 1999, following a brief refurbishment part of which included adding a small museum at the end of the queue area featuring several exhibits worth seeing including the robot from Lost in Space the movie, sets and puppets from Nightmare Before Christmas, the Rocketeer suit, the android from Terminator, puppet from the live action Pinocchio movie, pod people Muppets from The Dark Crystal, the ship from The Day the Earth Stood Still, several airplane models from various movies, the Palomino model from Black Hole, and much, much more. Unfortunately, the Backlot Tour is a mere shadow of its former glory. Our final question comes from Wayne Nasky of Wisconsin. He writes, Aaron, looking back at the old films from Disney, I love them. There's something to be said for those old live-action films. I was going through some of the lesser-known ones and came across one on Netflix. The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, or something like that. Is it available on DVD? And can you elaborate with any better facts on the film? Well, I think we all love those old Disney movies. I have to admit, I've never heard of this one. It was released June 25, 1980, and starred such actors as Elliot Gould and Ricky Schroeder. The film was about a jaded pilot named Noah Dugan, who's unemployed and owes a large amount of money due to his gambling. He goes to an old friend, Stoney, who owns an airfield. 
He's offered a job flying a cargo of animals to a remote South Pacific island aboard a B-29 bomber. Bernadette Lafleur is the prim missionary who, accom- who accompanies him. Bernadette has raised the animals at an orphanage and is close to two of the orphans, Bobby and Julie. The two children cannot bear to part with their beloved animals and stow away aboard the bomber as it takes off. During the flight, the plane goes off course and Dugan is forced to crash land on an uncharted island. While on the island, the group meets two elderly Japanese holdout soldiers who have lived there alone for 35 years. At first they treat them as enemies as the soldiers are unaware that World War II is over. However, Bernadette wins their friendship and trust and they propose to turn the plane into a boat to sail back to civilization. Noah and Bernadette fall in love. The two had resented each other at first. Bernadette even paints the logo Noah's Ark on the converted boat plane. The animals are also brought on board at Bobby's urging. Bobby resents Dugan at first, but the two eventually develop a close bond, especially after Dugan saves Bobby's life when the boy falls overboard while fishing for sharks. During the treacherous sea voyage, the characters are rescued by a United States Coast Guard cutter. The ending of the film shows Noah and Bernadette being married and then embracing the orphans as their own children. The feature film was released to many drive-in theaters on a double bill with 101 Dalmatians. I think you might have heard of that one. The film's promotional slogan was, Treat Your Family to a Disney Summer. The movie was released on DVD and is available on Amazon, and as you said earlier, also available on Netflix. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions this week, and keep them coming. Send all questions along with your name and city to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. I'll see you next week, D-Heads. We're in the land of was the having twice the fun Cause every single thing is really two in one A little bit of this, a little bit of that And when you add it up, you get a lot of sense Ooh, they got originality Living with a split personality We're the ones of Ooh, yeah We're the ones of Oh, yeah and welcome to Walt Disney Imagineering. Here, folks take flights of Disney fancy and turn them into three-dimensional reality. Over here is a model of a new addition to Walt Disney World in Florida. It's called Typhoon Lagoon. Chris. Hi, Eric. What is Typhoon Lagoon? Eric, it's 50 acres of fun. Uh, We believe it's the most incredible water park anybody's ever built. We have body slides. We have raft rides. We have Castaway Creek. We have Shark Reef. And the centerpiece of it all is our wave pool. Chris, you were there from the very beginning of this idea. How did it develop? We really started with the name. 
and we tried several different versions of theming. We, we tried one design that was a military bivouac from the 1940s, and we tried a logging camp. Do all your ideas happen here at the office? Well, it doesn't always happen in an office. We've, we have some great ideas. We, we make a career out of drawing things on napkins and restaurants. So I'm back once again, and I hope you're enjoying this week's show for the week of August 8th, 2013, show number 43. And as we're gearing up right now, we are getting that much closer to having the one and only, yes, Kevin McDonald, Kids in the Hall, Lilo and Stitch, Invader Zim, that 70s show. He's going to be stopping in here very shortly. And I do want to extend a very big thank you to the D-Team. Yes, with Jamie, Aaron, and our newest edition, Paige, as well as we also have coming up Lexi and Jason and all the others. Thank you, D-Team, for holding down the fort here this week. Without you, uh, you know, as I always say, it would be me rambling on continuously, but this week, you guys really are holding down the fort. Definitely show your love and appreciation for the D-Team and all their segments and making this show happen for all of you D-Heads. So definitely check them out and connect over at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. So, all of you D-Heads, with that said, as I already mentioned, I got a bit of a family emergency. Now, this came, uh, you know, really unexpectedly here as we were starting to record, but instead of giving you all that uh, time of waiting for another show or whatnot, we wanted to keep it on task and bring this show to you. So, with that said, 
I'm not going to talk too much longer, but I do want to give that shout out that all of us here at DizRadio.com are continuing to look for new D-Team members. We have the current newest edition with Paige, and we have more coming on board that uh, will be announced very shortly. But if you want to become part of the D-Team, maybe you have an idea for a segment, an idea, something you want to bring to the show, you want to be part of our extraordinary team here at DizRadio.com, definitely shoot us an email. We're looking for a variety of D-Team members, whether that's new segments, new ideas, something we're missing here at the show, or maybe you just want to be a blogger. Maybe you want to write for the website or many other things. Definitely shoot us that email, and you can find all those ways to connect up with us at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. Drop us a line, and you can ask any one of the D-Team. You do not have to have previous knowledge of broadcasting, recording, podcasting, anything at all. All we ask is that you have a love of Disney. So that's all it takes. Seriously, ask any of the D-Team. It is simple, painless, and fun. And you can jump on board with us here at the team. So, with that said, long-winded, I got to get back out here for this family emergency. I apologize again, all of you D-heads. You know, being a father of four kids, it definitely, uh, let me tell you, it has its ups and downs. And I got to get all this wrangled up because we have Kevin McDonald coming in here very shortly. So, I got to make sure I'm in the studio for that. So, as I tend to business here, I'm going to release the reins once again to the D-team. We have Lexi stopping in, and she's going to take you down that Hollywood Walk of Fame, and she's going to give you more about our special guest, Kevin McDonald. And next time you hear me, I'll be back with Yes, Pleakley from Lilo and Stitch. Be right back, all you D-heads.
Stitch has been doing really great. His goodness level is way up. And climbing. I've been helping him get in touch with his inner elf. And this is the exact bench where Elvis sat in blue Hawaii. Oh yeah, that's him. Look at the bus. But something strange is happening. Stitch is acting really weird. Even for Stitch. What? <laughs> I don't know if there's enough Ohana in all of Hawaii to fix this problem. The sequel to the hit movie Lilo and Stitch. But this time, Stitch has a glitch. Lilo and Stitch 2. Stitch has a glitch. Question for you all. Who loves Lilo and Stitch? And how about Phineas and Ferb? Well, I know I do, and we are definitely in for a treat today. This week's special guest is Kevin McDonald, a Canadian voice actor and comedian who has lent his talents to Lilo and Stitch and Phineas and Ferb, as well as a number of other fabulous movies and shows. It is in the Lilo and Stitch series that our special guest voices Pleakley. Pleakley is so funny and cute and kind-hearted, and he really does add a lot to the show. It is Kevin's light and high-pitched emotive voice that brings Pleakley to life. Now, Kevin was born in Montreal, Canada. But because his dad received a job transfer when Kevin was young, the family moved to LA. It was there that Kevin could explore his passion for comedy. After that, our special guest decided he was going to become an actor while attending high school in Canada. Outside of Disney, Kevin has lent his comedic flair and energetic voice to challenges like the kids in the hall and as the almighty tallest purple in Invader Zim. Get this, Kevin's father wanted him to become a lawyer. Wow, I can't imagine that. Kevin originally began studying a drama major at Humber College, but he was actually asked to leave because he was only interested in comedy. That seems a bit harsh of the college. But everything worked out for the best because Kevin went on to enroll in an improv class where he met lifelong friend Dave Foley. Now, Kevin actually had a pretty special role. He founded the Kids in the Hall with his friend Dave Foley. They met in Toronto at the Second City Training Centre and the pair worked as theatre ushers together. <laughs> That must have been so great. The show ran on Canadian TV and in the US on HBO, CBS and Comedy Central. Unfortunately, we didn't get it down here in Australia. Kevin once said that his favourite character to play on The Kids in the Hall was Dean 
the king of empty promises, which he said he based on himself. <laughs> Kevin also once said that by the time the TV show came to life, the quest for being famous had melted away, and he did it because it became about loving the work. I think that's wonderful. The Kids in the Hall became one of Canada's most successful comedy shows, and Kevin really did fall in love with his work. Since the Kids in the Hall finished up in the mid 1990s, Kevin has gone on to further his experience with TV, making a range of exciting and fun guest appearances. Kevin has lent his talents to The Martin Short Show, Friends, Seinfeld. Arrested Development, and even that 70s show, one of my favorites. Trust me, Kevin's list of TV achievements really does go on forever. Recently, he has lent his voice to some of the Kung Fu Panda episodes, as well as Phineas and Ferb and the Bratz series. <laughs> his career sounds like it must be so much fun, and he gets to meet so many cool and interesting people along the way. Kids in the Hall even had a much-loved reunion recently in Montreal, as part of the Just for Life Laughs Festival. How cool is this? In 2004, Kevin also appeared in the video for the Outcast song "Roses," <laughs> and in 2006, our special guest hosted a CBC television special. Featuring several of Canada's best-known comedy sketch troupes, Sketch with Kevin McDonald won a Canadian Comedy Award. Here is something awesome. Part of the reason why Kevin is so in love with comedy is because his influences growing up were among Gene Wilder, Andy Kaufman, Peter Sellers, Phil Silvers, and he also loved the TV show Get Smart. They are definitely some of the funniest guys in the business. Disney sure is lucky to have this week's special guest as part of the family. On the big screen, Kevin has focused on comedic roles. Some of them are even just a little outrageous, <laughs> like when he played Harry Potter in the epic movie. He also appeared in the popular film Boy Meets Girl. And in the 1990s film *Galaxy Quest*, as well as *Unaccompanied Minors*, a great gem of a film. All of these cameos sound like they would have been pretty awesome experiences. What is this week's special guest up to now? Let me tell you, a lot. <laughs> We can see Kevin's recent work in the 2012 film *Keyhole*. Kevin also stars as a co-pilot in the new web comedy series *Papillon*, and in his spare time he plays guitar and has his own band called Accidentally Cool. Similar to other Disney family members, Kevin's talents are quite versatile, and it seems that he is always busy and moving on to more and more fun activities and adventures. It must be a great life. So much joy and laughter, <laughs> much more interesting than a lawyer. That's for sure. <laughs> All jokes aside, thank you, Kevin McDonald. 
Without you, Disney would definitely not be the same. Turkey Bow Wow Hey, D-Heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And have a magical day. We're playing ball when it happens. Fred just froze. So we took him to the feeding station. We tried to be cool. And smooth. But we knew only one thing would satisfy Fred's need to feed. McDonald's Mighty Kids Meal. Which everyone knows is Fred's favorite food. Suddenly, Fred was fine. Mighty hungry, Mighty Kids Meal. Got another one. Now you can get a Lilo and Stitch bobblehead toy. Only at McDonald's. Camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of you out there who have watched TV in the last 20 years. You've also uh, heard his voice on a variety of different things from Lilo and Stitch, Kung Fu Panda, Phineas and Ferb, Penguins of Madagascar, and you also know him from the Kids in the Hall. We have none other than Kevin McDonald here with us this week. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Uh, thank you for having me, Disney On Demand. Thank you very much. Uh, I was in Penguins of Madagascar. I forgot about that. The TV show. Right. I remember now. <laughs> well, yeah, your resume is full of so many different things that, you know, you've done so much voice work. I guess uh, before we get into the voice work, uh, you know, how did you get started with kids in the hall, comedy and all that kind of fun stuff? Well, uh, I uh, like I sort of knew I wanted to be a comedian, uh, but I knew I didn't want to be like a stand up. Uh, I wanted to be more like a comedy actor. So I, I, I thought I'd go to college and study acting, but they disagreed with me and they kicked me out after three months. Uh, but the, uh, the improv teacher 
uh, told me that I was pretty good at improv and comedy. And uh, he gave me the phone number for Second City Workshops. And um, my very first workshop was also Mike Myers' very first workshop. And we sort of started, like, to try to get a troop together, but that didn't work out. And then uh, after a while, a young guy named Dave Foley um, uh, joined the troop, and we liked each other right away. And uh, we started, uh, I met him at 3 o'clock. We had a troop at 3 p.m. Uh, we had a troop by 8 p.m. Very cool, you know. And, and well, and that's the kind of thing too, where uh, you know, it's the uh, kind of series now that has gone on with such cult status and uh, cult following that I'm sure you always get recognized for kids in the hall, even to this day, right? Yeah, yes, uh, yes, I do, and, uh, and sometimes I get recognized for uh, Pastor Dave and Seventy Show, and sometimes I get recognized for being in an Outcast video in uh, in Canada. I'm recognized for being in a famous episode of. Uh, um, the, the all-time, the most popular sitcom of all time up here, uh, Corner Gas. Very cool. You know, well, I totally forgot about that 70s show as well, you know, being pastor on there. Um, always a memorable role as well. Now, I guess that's going to lead us into, you know, a variety of different things. You know, you have a variety of different films, Galaxy Quest, a lot of them with great cult following. Now, that's going to lead into the voice acting work, of course, and all of our Disney fans and being part of Lilo and Stitch. Now, that has gone on, you know, well beyond many Disney films. I mean, Disney films are around forever, but Lilo and Stitch has, you know, gone into the parks, a variety of sequels, television shows. Uh, I guess, how were you approached for that, and then how was it uh, working on that film? Well, um, one of the directors, uh, Dean Dubois, uh, was a Canadian, and uh, so many animators come from Canada. I, I don't know why that is, but it's true. And uh, so he sort of was a young man watching the Kids in the Hall show, and there was one particular sketch I did where I was a, uh, I was a, uh, like, a, it was a sci-fi sketch, and I was a boss of a planet in space that sends spies out different planets but um, Dave was a spy. Dave Foley was a spy who kept uh, actually blowing up planets, and he blew up Earth. And then I brought him into the office to reprimand him. Like I wasn't too mad at him. I wasn't firing him. I was a little annoyed. And, um, and I, the, the voice in that was the voice that uh, Dean, the director, thought would be perfect for Lilo and Stitch. Well, you know, convinced Disney, and I did it. And I, I had no idea. Like I'd been doing TV shows, but I had no idea the uh, for a movie. Like I did um, an hour every three months. It was, uh, and it was amazing. They, uh, they got my, uh, like a limousine to pick me up in my house. <laughs> it was like the best food ever. And then, um, and then usually the sessions were, were me saying the same sentence like 20 times and I got to pick the best one or slice it all together. And, um, that was a lot of fun. And then it became a TV show. And then like two sequels. They actually did like, there's two Lilo and Stitch twos, which uh, confuses me, but it was fun to do. And I had a blast doing it. It was so much fun. And they were great guys to work with. Well, you know, and, and Pleakley is that kind of character, too, that just adds that dimension to the show, you know, and to the movies. And everybody, uh, you know, knows him. Like you said, he is the kind of the bumbling, the good-hearted guy, the one that just uh, definitely adds that, that spice to all the aliens. Um, I guess. It is me. I'm, I, I am that guy. And if you look at it, even though it, it has one eye and two tongues, uh, like three legs or whatever. It looks just like me. I don't know how that happened, but they somehow made it look like me. <laughs> now, I guess when you when you look at this and you look back at these films, is that the kind of thing now where you know have you had a chance to you know go back and maybe visit Disney or you know people are watching these movies and right away they're like, is that you? Do they pick up on that instantly? Uh, yeah, yeah, several times. Uh, sometimes at Disney because we go to Disney a lot. Uh, uh, my partner and uh, our kids we go there a lot and. Um, a lot of times, kids will hear me talking, and they'll come running up, and um, and <laughs> and they ask if I'm Pleakley or um, or uh, some other characters I did. I can't remember the other names I did, but uh, but Pleakley is a big one. Oh, uh, I get um, 
people who were teenagers 10 years ago stopping me if I'm, uh, are you purple from Invader Zim? And uh, <laughs> things like that. People do recognize my voice. When other like uh, cartoon actors work, they sort of have a million voices. I have one voice. And so I'm uh, like, like I, when I work, I'm just doing that one with the, the people who hire me just want that one voice. So um, a lot of people who were kids for the past 20 years uh, often just recognize my voice. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the kind of thing where you have that dis- uh, distinctive sound, you know, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, you look at a variety of voice actors out there, you know, like Rob Paulson and many others where they just have that, that sound where you know it's them, but they pull off every character. Now, uh, aside now, aside from doing Lilo and Stitch, you know, you do a lot of voice acting work. Um, is there any other, like, I guess, series or movies when it comes to voice acting? You know, you've been part of a variety of different things, like Fish Hooks and many others. Is there any other that has really just, uh, you know, had that special place in your heart that you've really enjoyed doing? Um, Fish Hooks is a lot of fun. Uh, I love playing um, uh, Dr. Frog, and uh, that's kind of fun. I, uh, I like my catchphrase, uh, say what? That's kind of, uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, I did a, a cartoon, um, called Cat Scratch, where I played Waffle the Cat. And, uh, and that was sort of like, Cleekly times ten. Um, uh, the, the clumsy, bumbling guy, and my voice was even higher pitched, and that was a lot of fun too. Very cool. Now, when it comes to doing movies and doing that kind of thing and television shows, like you said, you know, you've been part of a variety of different things, like Galaxy Quest and also that 70s show. I guess, how different is it when you're doing a television series um, as opposed to stand up comedy? Well, stand up comedy is something I've just done recently, and because um, uh, uh, the kids in the hall, we were about to go on a tour. And then we had to cancel, uh, two of us got busy, um, doing much better things. And, uh, but I kept up for like a tour, like, uh, doing stand-up. And, um, I, I sort of, the thing I enjoy about stand-up, uh, is that I've written the stuff myself. So that's, it's always fun to do, um, the stuff you write yourself and see if you, how well it goes or how badly it goes. And, um, the TV show is sort of more what I, TV, TV show is sort of more what I do. But like you're, you're speaking other people's words. But it is the first thing I fell in love with was the um, was acting comedy, and I fell in love with writing later. So um, I enjoy them both for different reasons. Well, I mean, and going with stand-up comedy now, like you said, you know, that's something that you've been doing and writing your own. I guess uh, you know, touring and uh, you know, being on that kind of circuit is there is there that instant kind of gratification too, where the you know the audience is instantly reacting. You don't have to wait months and months until something is in production finished. Um, is that something that just really is? I guess has that sense of all right, what I'm doing is good, and you see the instant laughter from everybody. Oh yeah, that's amazing. But first of all. I have trouble watching myself on TV, so uh, there's many shows that I've never seen myself in. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I forget about it. But the, the instant gratification thing is that there's something magical about when you're on stage and if it's going well, you forget it. Like, for instance, you have like a earache or a headache and, um, and you're on stage. During that, those 20 minutes that you're on, everything is perfect. Every part of your body is, uh, feels great. Uh, <laughs> like everything, uh, that day was amazing. Uh, nothing went wrong. And then, um, you go off stage and you're still like, uh, feeling that for the next 20 minutes and things fade back to normal and you have the headache again. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like you said, everything is perfect and, and great at that time. You get that instant gratification. Now, I guess uh, moving aside from, uh, you know, doing the stand up comedy and getting back to some of your other things, like you said, you know, being in, uh, you know, being on Invader Zim and all that kind of stuff. Now, you've been a part of, as I've mentioned, many cult favorites, which, you know, is a huge task, you know, in any kind of actor and voice actors world. I mean, it's the kind of thing where you've been part of so many projects that, you know, most people can hope to be part of one, but you have so many that have such huge cult followings. How does that feel to, you know, have those kind of footsteps where it's uh, knowing that, you know, on any given moment, there is a huge legion of fans out there for whatever project that you were involved in? Oh, no, it feels amazing. You sort of, when you're a young actor, a uh, comic actor, you sort of dream stuff like that. And, and then when it happens, um, uh, that sense of fulfillment is, you know, it's pretty satisfying, uh, for, like, for when it happens. And, um, like I said, that right now, Leland Stitch is only 10 years old, so it's mostly mothers who have babies, like four or five years or six or seven years, 10 years ago. Uh, they're, they're the ones that say, you helped me through some great times. <laughs> like, I remember that like, we love Leland Stitch so much, and now it's Invader Zim. People in their late 20s or early 30s are coming to me when they were like, uh, how much they liked when they were teenagers. Uh, I would say those are the two most that I get for animation. And, uh, you know, it always feels very satisfying. Well, you know, and like you said, you know, many people, Lilo and Stitch, not that old. You know, my myself as well, my children are now just, you know, getting introduced and really loving it. I guess, is there, uh, working on Lilo and Stitch, is there any one thing from the films, uh, I guess, out of all of them, that was your favorite out of any one of them? You know, which project out of any of the films or television series? You know, was there one you just really enjoyed most of all working on? Lilo, uh, I would still say it's... Um it's always the, the the first time in anything that's the best, and I would say the uh, the the movie Lilo Stitch. It's all been great experiences, and everyone I've worked with, honestly, have been great to work with. Um, but the the first movie was it was just exciting, like the the limo bringing me to like Disney Studios. Uh, the the directors would say, "Oh, that's where they shot Mary Poppins across the street," and and um, and it was like work, but it was like easy work. Uh, I mean, and then you sort of get caught, and you had you say the same line over and over and over. Then you're you're in a loop, but but there's an art to that too. So there's also satisfaction in the work, and um, and they, they were the two such fun guys to um, uh, to work with, uh, Chris and Dean, uh, the directors. Um, I would say so everything was great. I would say the the first experience seeing the movie would be my favorite. Very cool. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess getting away from, uh, you know, the animation and that side, side of things and whatnot, um, you know, do you have any projects currently in the works or anything on the horizon that you're allowed to speak about or anything that we might be able to hear you in or see you in, or are we just going to have to wait and see? <laughs> uh, no, there's, uh, there's, there's a couple, uh, there's one maybe thing. Uh, I, I did a guest writing spot for two weeks on Saturday Night Live last year, and I'm waiting to see if um, I'm going to do some more of that this year. Maybe writing a Saturday Night Live, which would, that was also a dream of mine. Since I fell in love with writing as a teenager, and um, and now I'm um, going to be in pre-production soon on a movie that I'll be directing for the first time and starring in, um, sort of based on my life uh, about a comic who moves to Winnipeg uh, because he falls in love with a woman who lives there, and then um, a Hollywood guy living in Winnipeg, and so uh, those are the two most exciting projects that hopefully will happen. Very cool. Well, and this, like you said, is going to be, you know, a chance to direct. Now, is that something that you've inspired to do over the course of time, something that you really feel comfortable uh, just jumping right in now doing? Yeah. I, I don't know anything about camera angles, so uh, <laughs> I may have to co-direct with the, with the camera guy, um, uh, but, uh, but, like, 
getting the performances and um, and getting the timing and everything. I'm uh, I think I'm very ready for that. It's it's something. When I was a kid, I started wanting to be Woody Allen, so uh, <laughs> but I never had the confidence. And during the kids in the holidays, uh, the other guys, um, we could have directed to some film shorts we wanted. And, uh, and uh, Bruce and Dave and Mark did. I never had the confidence, but now I feel that. And, uh, that was ridiculous, and I regret that, and I'm really ready to do it now. <laughs> well, you know, and, and like you said, uh, you mentioning back to Kids in the Hall, are we going to be able to see a reunion tour or maybe a, something on TV or something soon for any of the Kids in the Hall fans out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, uh, just last week we were all together in Toronto. Dave Foley has a uh, new sitcom uh, in Canada, um, which is sort of like his old sitcom news radio, only now he plays the boss. And um, the episode of that one was that it was a uh, 50th birthday, and so uh, his daughter uh, planned a surprise uh, party with four of his friends from high school, which we played, and that was fun to do. So that'll be on anyway in Canada, uh, like next February. But we also have meetings. We're planning another tour. We just have to get, get all our schedules because Dave's TV show ends when Scott's TV show starts. Uh, Scott uh, plays an FBI, Scott plays an FBI agent in Hannibal. And so um, uh, we just figured out the schedule, but we're definitely getting it together now to to get another tour. Very cool. Well, you know, we know you're a busy guy. You know, you know, always trying to connect up with you. So I'm glad we finally had a chance to make this happen. I guess you know before uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to leave out there for all your fans and and all the people out there who have just loved everything you've been in? You know, all from television, movies, animation, and more. Is there anything you'd like to leave for uh, all of them as some parting words from uh, Kevin? Oh, thank you so much for like uh, for laughing over the years, and then uh, and for like whenever you saw me and tell me uh, how much the kids and hall work or any work I was involved in means uh, to you. That means a lot to me. It's sort of a circle. The the, the person working and the per- and the people watching. And let's keep the circle going. Keep telling me if you appreciate it. Even if you don't like it, tell me. Just be polite and don't hit me. And uh, and thank you very much, everybody.
Cooper. Their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Write down that. Here's what's coming up next on the Disney Channel. is not necessarily what you mean. Family Ties Mark Price gives the lowdown on Michael J. Fox. The man is a giant. I bet you didn't know that, huh? He was drafted by the Lakers out of college. You'll hit the road with country music's leading lady, Reba McIntyre. My number one rule is treat people like I want to be treated. Plus, you'll be seeing double when the Mickey Mouse Club rocks you with a strung-out tune from twice. Talk about a happening week on the Mickey Mouse Club. Wednesday. The Lone Ranger. Raccoon Boy! New challenges confront the family for rent. Don't, don't read that, it's a love note. From your teacher? She's twisted. Cindy Williams and Bill Hudson team up on Just Like Family. Then on Danger Bay. Man's best friend prevents a disaster. If a whale had have swallowed this, he'd be dead in three or four hours. And finds a home at the aquarium. Danger Bay after the all-new comedy series Just Like Family. Meet Harry. He's the Henderson's new pet. He lives here with you? We haven't quite perfected it yet. You'll howl at this tale of living the wildlife. John Lithgow. I think he likes it here. And Don Amici. Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, oh boy, you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Miska. Mosca! Mickey Mouse! <laughs> My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Confirm. Hey gang, glad to be back with all of you down here in the vault. I know it's been a while since we last got together, but as they say, better late than never. I'm glad I made it back this week because upstairs in the Disney On Demand studios, or shall we say down the hall, is one of my favorite Kids in the Hall members, Kevin McDonald. Yes, Sir Simon Milligan and Darcy Purnell, all in one, upstairs. Kevin, thanks for all the laughs that you got me through many, many years ago. And I continually look forward to them, Dr. Chris Cooper, and other friends as death comes to town. In continuation of all the humor you have given us D-heads, I want to bring you the movie that made his voice sing. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. And I will be bringing you the 2002 surprise animated sensation, Lilo and Stitch. Space, where no one can hear you scream. Well, at least until you meet our blue furball. Dr. Jumba, voiced by David Ogden Steers, there's that Disney synergy once again, has gotten himself into a bit of a bind with the Galactic Federation. It seems the good doctor is conducting some illegal genetic experimentation. The worst of his monstrosities is Experiment 626. It is aggressive, calculating, and adapts quickly. The Federation's ruling on Jumba is imprisonment. As for 626, there's a beautiful asteroid calling your name. However, as in great sci-fi fashion, something goes awry. During transportation on Captain Gantu's ship, 
626 manages to escape. He hijacks a cruiser and is immediately surrounded. Adapting to his surroundings, 626 activates the hyperdrive, which lands him onto a new little planet, Earth. More specifically, the beautiful Hawaiian island of Kauai. And quite frankly, who wouldn't want to land on the most beautiful island of Hawaii? 626 discovers that this planet may not be as easy as he would like. Upon arrival, he's rendered unconscious by a passing truck. In other words, he almost gets hit. The truck driver must have been listening to some Sarah McLaughlin while the accident occurred because he feels terrible when he hits this dog and takes 626 to an animal shelter. Back in the vastness of space, the Grand Councilwoman orders Jumba, along with Agent Pleakley, our new anointed D-head Kevin McDonald, to immediately recover 626. Things on Earth are no easier than space. Meet Nani and Lilo. Nani, the elder sister, has become the guardian of Lilo after the recent death of their parents. Today is not a great day for the family. Cobra Bubbles, their social worker, has come for his routine visit. He doesn't feel Nani can take adequate care of Lilo and would like to consider foster care for her. Nani cannot believe what is being suggested. Lilo is all the family she has left, and no one leaves family behind. Brokenhearted and alone, Lilo goes to her room and prays for a friend. Seems no one likes or understands Lilo. Hearing her prayers, Nani agrees to allow Lilo to adopt a dog. At the shelter, Lilo is immediately drawn to Experiment 626. Neither Nani nor the shelter owner is certain that 626 is a good fit, or a dog for that matter, but Lilo is in love with him instantly and names him Stitch. Hand in hand, Lilo leads Stitch through their new Hawaiian home. Stitch, due to his high intellect, realizes he might as well have remained in prison rather than escaping here. I mean, I still wouldn't mind being trapped in the Hawaiian island, but that's just me. He can't swim off the island because he's just too dense to swim. The family's bad luck continues as Nani loses her job. Again. Since Lilo and Stitch cannot be trusted alone, kids and all, Nani takes them along with her. What is a girl and her dog to do? Well, Lilo feels it's her responsibility to make Stitch more respectable and behave like the most honorable man that has ever lived. Elvis. Yes, Elvis. While this is going on, Jumba and Pleakley make their best attempts to capture Stitch, all of which end in comedic results. Nani, in a last attempt to finding a job, talks with David, her best friend and, well, shall we say, better friend and crush. David's suggestion to relieve her stress, surfing. While Nani, Lilo, and the panicked Stitch ride on a huge wave, Jumba makes one last effort to capture Stitch from underwater. As a result, it appears as if Stitch attempts to drown Lilo, although everyone gets to shore safely. Cobra saw the whole thing and tells Nani he will be at their home tomorrow morning to take Lilo. After Stitch sees how much trouble he has caused, he leaves. He packs up, taking an Ugly Duckling book with him. This is a story that touched him most because this is the story Lilo read to him, making him understand the meaning of Ohana or family. The next morning, as Nani waits for Cobra to arrive, David tells Nani of a job. Nani, thinking this is the only way she can keep Lilo, tells her to stay at home while she goes to secure this job. Meanwhile, Stitch, hiding in the woods, meets up finally with Jumba. 
as all good evil scientists do, he crushes Stitch by telling him someone who destroys can never have family. Ready to prove him wrong, and knowing that Lilo needs him, Stitch races to the house. Jumba follows, guns ablazing. The two fight, with Lilo immediately phoning Cobra for help. The house is immediately destroyed by the end of the fight, with Nani and Cobra arriving shortly after. As Nani and Cobra argue over Lilo's well-being, Lilo hides within the forest, finding Stitch, who reveals his true alien identity. Kinda reminds you of E.T., but without the finger. While she says how he ruined everything, Captain Gantu, sent to capture Stitch after Jumba and Pleakley have failed, he captures them both and prepares to leave Earth. Nani sees what Gantu is doing and runs after the ship. Stitch escapes from his container before the ship takes off, leaving Lilo behind. It is then that Nani finally realizes Stitch isn't all he cra is cracked up to be. Still thinking they're doing their job, Jamba and Pleakley still looking for Stitch. But they too are soon revealing their true identities to Nani and tell her they will do anything to get Lilo back. Stitch, with the help of Jumba's ship, and by launching a large gas tanker into a volcano, you know, gas, heat, really don't mix, is able to free Lilo and stop Gantu. After they land, they find that the Grand Councilwoman has arrived nearby in order to capture Stitch personally. As you can tell, when something doesn't get done right in space, you go down and do it yourself. And she's a no-nonsense woman. Or alien. I'm not sure which. When she sees Stitch has developed a sense of respect and compassion, she realizes he has become a civilized creature and is no longer the abomination that Jumba made him to be. Using Lilo's certificate of Stitch's ownership, which proves that taking Stitch would mean stealing him from Lilo, the councilwoman asserts that Stitch now a part of Nani and Lilo's family, will live his exile on Earth with the humans. As her guards take Gantu away, she doesn't let Pleakley or Jumba return on the ship, and orders Cobra, the former CIA agent who personally met the councilwoman at Roswell, you know, place with the aliens? Makes sense now. To keep an eye on the entire family. Stitch, Jumba, and Pleakley become integrated into Lilo's family and the house is rebuilt with their help, along with David and Cobra. And now, we begin a new Ohana. 2002. Scary to think that this movie, 11 years later, has become one of the most modern classics in the Disney vault. Stitch has basically become a, a newer mascot for, well, in Tomorrowland. His presence is very well felt in Walt Disney World. This movie not only spurred a television series, but two other sequel movies. Leroy and Stitch, which we've discussed back a few episodes on the show, so if you haven't heard that review, go ahead and listen to that one. It's definitely worth a listen, and also definitely worth a watch. And other films that have rounded out this Lilo and Stitch mythos and, shall I say, universe. It's surprising to see how this one little furball has changed a few of the ways that we look at Disney animation, especially at that time, considering this is a new tale, a tale that was almost brought to us back in 1985. But Michael Eisner had uh, other ideas with it, 
And here we are today. And what a great way to celebrate 11 years of being a part of the Disney Ohana by releasing Lilo and Stitch and Lilo and Stitch 2 on Blu-ray. Yes, there have been many incarnations of Disney of Lilo and Stitch either on DVD or VHS, but this is the first time it's been offered in Blu-ray in a two-disc pack. Many of Disney's modern classics have been offered this way as you receive the main theatrical release as well as its direct-to-video sequel or in sometimes prequel depending upon which movie. All in all, these have been a great way to expand your own library and to add to the Disney history that is being made annually. If you were to pick up the two-disc set that has now been released, what are you going to receive? The two-disc movie collection of Lilo and Stitch and Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch Has a Glitch, is a three-disc set. However, in what has become Disney's newer practice, the feature films are housed on one single Blu-ray disc, and the two standard DVDs, which kind of round out the whole item. It's definitely convenient, especially if you want to watch, if you don't have a blue player in your car or someplace else, you can take the DVDs and put them someplace. It, it's a great way to work with this. Sadly, though, all of the special features from the two movies are placed on the DVD copies and not on the Blu-ray discs. And while there isn't too much when it comes to the items that are on there, of which they are the features, like the interstitials that were a part of the Lilo and Stitch campaign, uh, a few deleted scenes, a lot of interactive activity, and music videos from the original film, they're all presented in standard def, so you're not getting anything uh, different or new if you were to be watching them in the, in the Blu-ray version anyway, which I, I guess I could see that being okay, but when you want to sit and watch it in the, on the Blu-ray, it kind of makes it a little difficult. Other part that kind of disturbs me just a hair is that the fact that the audio commentary, which you would think becomes standard in all of these, is regulated only to the standard deaf versions and not the high deaf versions. However, it's nice to have these beautifully drawn um, watercolored backgrounds all in Blu-ray now. Um, what I love about this film is not only is it a great family film that tells the story of family and the other great aspects of sci-fi, fantasy, and comedy, but it rounds it as a great Disney film that harkens back to, dare I say, a time of Dumbo, a time of Snow White. Now, I'm not saying that by the story, but I'm saying that by, by the artistic choices, the watercolors being one. Those movies that I previously re mentioned, Snow White and Dumbo, used those watercolor techniques. And to be able to bring that back into a film that, let's all face it, we weren't certain was going to either be canon in the Disney archives or make it and and be as popular and here it is today 11 years later and still a movie we're all talking about so need a movie for the weekend need something new to add to your collection or something to wait for until you see planes in a few weeks here's your opportunity go out and purchase rent or stream Lilo and Stitch you won't be disappointed it still puts a smile on your face, even today. 
Well, the popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down, so it could only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. So until then, we will return next week with a brand new feature to bring out of the archives and into your Blu-ray player. So until then, friends, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. If you remember meeting at the malt shop and 3D movies, and if you remember writing love letters in the sand, then you remember the era that changed the course of American music. And you can live it again as Disneyland turns back the clock and returns to the nifty 50s, Friday, February 9th from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., featuring that good old rock and roll, starring in person Dick Clark with special guest star Chuck Berry. And you can rock around the park with the coasters, Freddie Cannon, the Diamonds, Rosie and the Originals, and the Olympics. Or dance to the rock and roll and sounds of Papa Do Run Run. Tickets are available in advance at all Ticketron agencies and at Disneyland and include admission and unlimited use of all Disneyland attractions. But you better hurry, tickets are limited. Don't miss out on the 50s this year. Come relive that golden age of rock and roll. The Nifty 50s with Dick Clark, Friday, February 9th at Disneyland.
Hey there, D-Heads. You know you couldn't get rid of me that fast. I'm back once again to close out the show, and I hope you had a fantastic ride here this week as we traveled to Hawaii, took you down that magical memories in your mind, your family, and making all those special moments, you know, relive again in your Disney magical history. And I also want to thank Kevin McDonald once again for stopping in. Yes, be sure to check out a variety of his different things and work where you can see him from Kids in the Hall, that 70s show, Invader Zim, and upcoming projects, maybe even a Kids in the Hall reunion. They Thank you, Kevin, once again for stopping in. It took us a couple of months to make it happen. But thank you once again for stopping in and uh, making the magic happen for all of our listeners. And I also want to thank the D-Team. Yes, Jamie, Jason, Aaron, Lexi, and our newest, Paige, for stopping in here this week here at the show. Without them stopping in, you'd have nothing more than me rambling on week in and week out. Thank you, D-Team, once again for stopping in and making the magic happen with your special segments and adding that bit of magic for all of our listeners. And remember, you can always connect up with the D-Team team right there on the homepage at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. So all of you D-heads, before I let you go and I let you know who's going to be here next week for show number 44, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. There you can see our full list of past shows, our archives, all kinds of the latest news, hot off the D-wire, and more. And you can find all that right there on our official website at DizRadio. And once again, that's D-I-Z Radio. You can also find us all over the social media network. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can follow us all over the social media outlets with the latest news, posts, Twitter feeds, and more. All over on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, Skype, and many other places. Just search, yes, you guessed it, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. So all of you D-heads, as we close out another show, we want you to stay connected. Definitely check out a variety of different things all over the website. Shoot an email to the D-team. Be sure to email Aaron your questions. And uh, you know what? I'm rambling on now. I've had a great show. I'm pretty excited. It's been a fun, fun week. So you know what? I'm going to let you know how we're going to keep summer going for show number 44. And how are we going to do that? You remember a little show back from 1989 that kicked off called the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. And with that... It spawned a revolution of all kinds of stars, acts, and more, including one of my favorites, a band called The Party. And The Party is going to be stopping in here next week, as after 20 years, they're releasing an all-new CD, and they kick it off with a salute to summer. Yes, so get ready, because The Party is happening. Summer isn't over yet. So all of you D-heads, as we gear up for show number 44 here next week, as always, as I always mention, make it fun, make the most of your summer, and never... Neglect family for business. Catch you online and all over the social media all week long. Talk to you later, D-heads. Ladies and gentlemen, Stitch 
has left the planet. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.